The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. Um, the passage that we're going to look at this morning falls into a big chunk of scripture that actually overlaps the last few days that we've been in. If you're keeping up with the Bible reading in six months, then you would have finished yesterday in Exodus chapter 30. But really, in order to understand the message of Exodus, you have to read Exodus 1 to 18 in its entirety, and then you need to read Exodus 19 to 40 in its entirety. It takes about 35, 40 minutes if you skim past all the descriptions of all the elements of the tabernacle and all the laws that seem weird and don't make any sense to you. But you can do it. And I'm actually here to give you pastoral approval to skim, okay? I'm here to tell you it's okay to skim. It's okay to skim. You just gotta know where to stop and slow down so you don't miss the really, really, really good stuff, okay? But I want us to turn our attention uh, to the book of Exodus. This service is gonna be a little different than last service. Um, But we, in the last week, we read Genesis 37 all the way to Exodus 30, if you were keeping up. And if I had to encapsulate this week's reading with three words, they would be promise. God made a promise and he's fulfilling that promise through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Jacob become Israel, the 12 sons of Israel, and God securing Israel's future by saving them out of a famine and putting them into the Goshen Valley of Egypt so that they can grow and flourish and be born, not simply a family, but into a nation. That's what's happening at the end of Genesis. And the key verse in Genesis is chapter 50 and verse 20, which tells us, as for you, this is Joseph talking to his brothers who had sold him into slavery as a child, And they're wondering if he's gonna exact retribution now that their father has passed and he is in a position of power and authority in Egypt. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And Joseph had the perspective of the sovereignty of God in all circumstances. And because he understood the power of God to rescue, redeem, restore and deliver. He knew that while people may operate in in line with the works of the enemy, God is never thwarted and his purposes are always fulfilled. And that perspective gave Joseph uh, a vision of his brothers and of his situation that, that radically delivered him from bitterness and resentment and anger and rage and vengeance. And instead, he was able to show kindness and love and be an example of what God's perfect see Jesus would look like in his life. And so promise. Secondly is preservation. You know, God is going to preserve his people. Do you realize that? Isn't that good to say, if I'm part of the people of God, then God is preserving me for his purposes, that he's welcomed me into his family. And that while the world is filled with hardships and calamity, and we do have an enemy who's against us, we will be preserved if we belong to God. Isn't that good news? And we see that through the plagues that that afflict Egypt, uh, how God moves to show that Egypt's gods were false gods and he's the one true God. And he delivered his people out of slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness to encounter him. He preserved his people. The Egyptians were, were destroyed in the Red Sea, but the people of God passed through the sea as on dry land and were delivered into God's reality. And so if you are part of what God is doing in the earth, then you can expect to experience God's preservation, not only in this life, but ultimately in the life to come. And that is good news for God's people. And the last P word, I'd say promise, presence, and prompt, and, uh, pre- presence. Promise, preservation, and presence. Somebody say presence. 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 I got this distinct sense as we were worshiping, the Lord wants to accent a different part of what we accented in first service, his presence. And as we were singing, I, I was experiencing the Holy Spirit recounting all of these many pages of Exodus that we read together. And the thought occurred to me for the very first time in this service that the Israelites did not know God personally. 
in Egypt. They had, they had the oral tradition of Abraham through Isaac to Jacob. They had the blessings of Jacob upon his sons that had a prophetic element in Genesis chapter 50. They had lost their identity as Israelites and they had gained the identity of slaves in Egypt. Again and again and again in the Exodus story, they had an impulse to return to slavery as though that was better than the freedom they were experiencing. Do you understand? The slavery mentality would rather walk in the bondage of the known than in the freedom of the unknown. And it comes from not knowing God. You see, God was bringing them not simply through the wilderness to the promised land. God was bringing them out of Egypt to introduce them to himself. Listen, God introduced himself to Moses in the burning bush. Do you remember this? Moses had an encounter and a talk with God and a conversation with God. And he continued to mediate between God and the Israelites and to speak on behalf of God to Pharaoh. And so Moses is getting to know God through this experience. But the Israelites are only experiencing the circumstances surrounding their deliverance. And when they come into the wilderness, they do not know who they have been saved to. And they have all these questions about God. The same questions that Adam and Eve were tempted with in the garden. Does God have good plans for me or not? Is God for me or isn't he? Is God punishing me or is God going to save me? And these are all the same questions that we experience and that we walk through as we live this life. We, we have our, a sense of our own guilt before God. We have ambiguity about who God is and what is going on here. And we are in a struggle through doubt to engage with faith. And what is the answer? The answer is get to know God. And he introduces himself to the Israelites in the wilderness. And I believe this morning that there are some here who are at different distances from God. And God is going to reveal himself in his word in the moments that we have left together and invite you out of your previous understanding of who God is and into his very presence. So I wanna draw your attention to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18. The only way we can make sense of Exodus 20, 18 to 21, these four verses, <clears throat> is by backing up a little bit to understand the setting. I told you Exodus can be read chapter one to 18, and then needs to be read 19 to 40 in order to make sense. And so the deliverance of God's people through the plagues in Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea and the encampment in the wilderness has occurred up to 18. And then 19, God is going to reveal himself to his people in the wilderness. And so you have to read this account and I'm gonna read it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna have self-control and I'm not gonna comment a lot. <laughs> so you guys can pray for me. <clears throat> Exodus 19, verse one. On the third new moon, so we've been in the desert, how many months? Three months, I'm doing it. <laughs> On the third new moon, three months, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. You guys are lucky, Tiffany's in this service, so she's gonna keep me on track, all right? She's in the front row, and she's driving, so you're welcome. <laughs> On that day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. Someone say the mountain. This is where people meet with God. Elevation and presence of God in the mountain. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You saw that. And how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you where? To myself. Now, therefore, if, someone say if, 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 
you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and he called the elders of all the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Someone say, sign me up. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. You gotta remember at this point, the Israelites have only heard the words of God through Moses. Moses goes up, message comes down. Moses goes up, message comes down. Now God says, I'm going to introduce myself to the people and they will hear my voice, not only you. So this is a big deal. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord and the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Say consecrate. consecrate. Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people and you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Sounds severe, doesn't it? Don't touch the person who touched the mountain. Kill them from a distance. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, set them apart. And they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day and do not go near a woman. This is not life as usual. We are now preparing ourselves for an encounter with God. Day one, day two, third day, God's coming down. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now, Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. What follows after this passage is the 10 commandments, the giving of the 10 commandments. And after Moses has received the 10 commandments in chapter 20 and verse 18, this is what we read. This is the passage for us this morning. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. 
And Moses said to the people, listen, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. God, we thank you for your word, which has been read in our hearing. God, we thank you that it has power to turn our spirits on by your Holy Spirit, to strengthen our faith and and pivot us in a new direction. God, I pray this morning that we would understand what these words mean, meant, and apply them to our lives in a meaningful way. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us. Your servants are listening. We wanna know you better and truly. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Wednesday of this past week was Fusion Night. We have a youth group here at Christ Church. We meet every Wednesday at 6.30. It's middle school and high school. We have 25 to 40 kids, depending on who's in the mood for youth group. But we have a lot of fun. We love being together. We meet for 90 minutes every single Wednesday. But on the third Wednesday of the month, we get together with seven other local area churches and their youth groups and all the middle school and high school students get together. And there's typically around 200 or so students that come out on a monthly basis. And sometimes we have it here and we use every seat in here and everybody's standing on the back wall and we destroy the place. But this month we were at First Baptist because this is January and we had our third annual Christmas tree bonfire and the kids came out in force. We had 258 crispy Christmas trees piled up on a stack of 70 or so pine wood pallets doused in diesel fuel and waiting for the big burn. Now, we got a lot of stuff going on around here at Christ Church right now. And so in order to incorporate women's ministry back into the calendar, we had to put women's ministry on the Wednesday where the youth are out of the building for Fusion Night. So we took the kids out and we brought the women in. So the ladies had worship and prayer night on Thursday night and that pattern is gonna continue. But that means that Tiffany was here and I was there. And while my older two daughters enjoyed being a part of Fusion Night, there was nothing to be done with the younger two children except to tag along with dad. And so I had... Molly and Julian near me, and a beautiful strategy for our local youth leaders. They bring all the kids out for hot dogs and hamburgers and a huge bonfire, and then they make them sit through a worship service before the fire. Brilliant, right? Now, this night was not 200 kids. This night was close to 500 kids who came out because everybody brings a friend when there's gonna be a Christmas tree bonfire. That's how this whole thing works. And so the place was packed. And we, we got to see the gospel preached to kids who had never been in church before. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was beautiful, 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 beautiful. We love, we love partnering with other churches and we love seeing the good news reach everybody. And so they finished uh, up the service and then everybody goes out to the Christmas trees to start the Christmas tree bonfire. Now, this is how we do it at youth group. When you start a fire, you don't use a match. You use every youth leader holding a three-foot Roman candle. And so we all stood back from our diesel fuel covered pile of Christmas trees with a full-size Roman candle under the arm of every youth leader. And I'm very grateful to God that I get to be a youth leader at this stage in my life. But I also had Julian with me. And so the only safe place to have Julian was right here. And so I had death grip on Julian's left wrist 
death grip on said Roman candle, and him and I shot 30 flaming balls of sulfur into a pile of diesel-covered Christmas trees with nine other worship youth leaders. It was fantastic. Now, I handed my phone to Evie, and I said, get a video of this, and much to her mother's dismay, she taped the fire and not the six-year-old, you know? But even in the video of the fire, you can hear his elation as that thing engulfed. Woo! He wasn't a pyro till Wednesday, and now he is. All week, he's been grabbing my phone out of my pocket and opening my videos and showing everyone, look at this fire! Everywhere we go. Now, he didn't understand. I mean, this fire gets so hot so fast. All the kids kind of circle around it at what appears to be a safe distance. And as that thing engulfs, you watch all the kids go, whoop, because it's so hot, it'll take your eyelashes off. Now, last year, it was like, this year was like 65 degrees. It was quite comfortable. Last year, it was like 40 degrees. And so the kids were standing there. It was like brown on one side, then turn over. You know, like <laughs> we were all freezing on one side and scorched on the other. And we're having this experience with the fire. And so I'm keeping Julian near to me. Now he is enamored with this fire. The, the cone shape of all these piles of Christmas tree as it's burning creates this swirl and it's throwing flames of ash up into the sky and sparks are flying, carried by the wind. All the adults were looking around to see what else was gonna catch on fire. And Julian's thinking, what can I put in this fire and watch burn? <laughs> At one point, he found a plastic water cup on the ground, and he, I, could, I was watching his little mind tick. He's like, I'm going to throw this in the fire. But you can't get 10 feet from that fire without it melting your face. And so he got as close as he could, and he threw the cup, and it landed like two feet in front of him, nowhere near the fire. So we waited a little while until it kind of died down, and we were throwing stuff in there. But he was enamored by the fire. Now, the contrast here is that in this story, the people of God are encountering God for the very first time since their delivery out of slavery in Egypt, and they're being invited to hear God's own voice. Now, I've been a pastor for 20 years, and I've only ever heard people want to hear God's voice. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to, who does God want me to marry? What college does God want me to go to? What, what venture should I start? What should I stop? Where should I move? Everybody wants to, tell me something, God. Everybody, all the time. Here's an invitation to hear God's voice, and when they experience God's presence, instead of standing at the the very clearly delineated line that Moses told them to draw for their own safety, everybody backs away from the line. Does that not surprise you a little bit? Tiffany and I used to get hot passes to go to the Daytona 500. I remember the first time we went to the Daytona 500 with our hot pass. I didn't know what a hot pass was. I was like, do you have to be hot to have this pass? Like, who gets this pass? Where did this come from? A hot pass is different than a cold pass because a hot pass allows you not go into the, only into the infield, but beyond the fence where the garages are, and not only beyond the fence where the garages are, but then into the actual pit road behind where all of the pit stops are happening. And so you are allowed to walk up right into pit road, and yet there is a yellow stripe that runs along halfway between the back fence and the knee wall where the cars are. There's a yellow line, and you can walk right up to that yellow line, but if you step over that yellow line, an official will push you back from that yellow line. I mean, you can stand on that yellow line, and you can get gas on you. You can have a flaming hot lug nut hit you in the eyeball on that line. And you know where everybody is standing? On that line! Like normal humans would be. Do you understand? And yet we get to this line, and the people are pleading with Moses as they stood far off. You talk to him! You tell us what he says. Does that stand out to any of you in your Bible reading? For people who want to be on the line? What's going on there? Why is that happening? And Moses replied to them in verse 20, do not fear for God has come to test you 
that the fear of him may be before you. Don't be afraid, fear the Lord. Same word, different construction, completely different meaning. Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be in you, that you may not sin. And still the people stood far off on Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, if you don't read Exodus 19 all the way through to 40, you will miss the movement of this passage and God's invitation for everybody to come all the way into his presence. There's a seed that is laid here because the people are recognizing in the presence of God is terror if you are sin-stricken and unbelieving. If you do not know God, God is not safe. If you do not trust God, God is not a welcoming presence. But for those who do know God and for those who do trust God, the presence of God is a purifying presence. And Moses is bringing, is organizing this, this meetup between God and his people, the God who comes near to test the faith of the Israelites. And the reality is, is they did not know God. They did not know God. Now their, their actual smart impulse here was to ask for a mediator. And in fact, Moses was that mediator and Moses, like many mediators from the point of creation to the coming of the Messiah, there's always been a mediator to go between God and man. There's always been a position of the priest. In fact, when there wasn't a sacrificial system, when there wasn't a structure by which people can encounter God, we find the frustration of Job, the oldest book in the Bible. Job in chapter nine and verse 30 says, He's thinking about God treating him fairly. People are saying, you must have done something wrong to be suffering the way that you were suffering. And he says, no, 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 you, you, don't, you don't hash it out with the Almighty about your circumstances. That's not a thing you do. And in chapter nine, verse 30, he says, if I wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, yet you will plunge me into a pit and my own clothes will abhor me. For God is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come together to trial, there is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on both of us. Do you see the frustration and the need? And so people who do not have a relationship with God or even those who trust him cannot come fully into his presence without fear of death because we are all clothed in iniquity and must be atoned for. And if you read Exodus 19 all the way to chapter 40, what you will find is that God makes an offer of a covenant, which we read, and the people said, sign me up, sounds good for me. But they don't wanna come into God's purifying presence. They're afraid of God's presence. And so they send Moses up. When Moses goes up, he receives the 10 commandments. He receives the revelation of God about all of the pieces of the temple that are to be established so that God can dwell with man in the tabernacle, in the desert, in this un unforeseen way. And when he comes down in chapter 32, what does he find? But the people have turned to idolatry. 40 days he was gone. And the people who 40 days ago said, we are in, sign us up. We want that deal. We're gonna be God's people. They were afraid of the absence of Moses and said to Aaron, make us a God to worship. And they took all their jewelry off and melted it down and created a gold calf and they set it before them and they danced around it and worshiping it, calling it God who delivered us from Egypt, the very name of God. Now here's the, here's the reality. We do this all the time. God is who God is, no matter what you think. Do you understand this? But a lot of us are terrified of that 
because we are yet clothed in iniquity and don't have faith towards God. And so while we seek to be religious, we would rather have a God of our own creating who does not scare us and is not dangerous. And we call him God and we dance around him and sing songs and we pretend like he's the God who leads us when in fact he is nothing but a worthless idol formed at the hands of mankind. Now that should scare all of us. Now, if you read the story, you're gonna see the back and forth between Moses because Moses is hot mad and then God is hot mad and then God says, I'm gonna destroy this people and Moses intercedes with God not to do this thing and he becomes like an intercessor, a mediator, an arbiter. He's a type of Christ who is to come and he goes and says, no, 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 we're gonna purify this people and so they have this whole plan of how they're gonna bring repentance and bring faith and that's actually what happens and everybody comes with their full hearts, heart stirred, spirit stirred and they make a covenant to Yahweh. They repent of this evil. Some of them don't. Some of them get cut down with the sword. That's in there. The Levites just go out there and kill anybody in their family who doesn't want to follow Yahweh. And then a plague wipes out the rest of them. But everybody who says, okay, we're going to take this seriously. Instead of standing far off, they respond to God's covenant. Moses, God's intermediary, makes atonement for them, and they come into another layer of their understanding of the God of Israel, and the same invitation is available for you today. Listen, I know there are people in my hearing right now who have a God that you think is the God of the Bible, and he's nothing more than a trinket made of your own imagination. And it doesn't matter how much you follow him or how devoted you are to him, he is not the God of the Bible. But when you come to God through his means and through his mediator, you will come into the very presence of God, the throne room of God, and find your sins atoned for and your life begins to be purified in God's purging presence. Now listen, if you don't have faith and you come into God's purging presence, guess what gets purged? You do. But if you have put your faith in God and you come to him, even with your own iniquity, his Purifying presence is what cleanses you and what shakes off the shackles of shame and addiction and lesser pursuits and desires. And you in his presence become everything you were made to be consecrated. And this is God's invitation to you. Listen, the whole, the whole second half of this section we just talked about is where God sets up all these elements for this tabernacle, all the ways in which we are gonna relate to God and his presence is going to be there. But all of those things, Moses himself as the intermediary and the prophet and the priest and coming a king and the tabernacle, all of those things were foreshadowing of God himself coming in as a man in Jesus to be one with us and to bear away our sins and to be the toning sacrifice and to be the one who makes a new covenant in his blood and to be the high priest and to be the true king and to be the true Israel and to be God's new prophet. It's all about Jesus. Do you know that? John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt, literally tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 4.14, since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time 
of need. This passage, this next passage in Hebrews 12 is a little longer, but listen, it talks exactly to Exodus 19. The author of Hebrews says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And he adds this plead, this pleading in 25, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. And so my question for you as we evaluate a divine encounter and an introduction to God is do you have a small man-made trinket of a God that you're seeking to follow? And if you are never terrified or transformed, then you have not come to the presence of the living God. But if you accept God's covenant truly with faith and you accept God's mediator, Jesus, the son of God, then you are invited into God's presence and it is not a terror, but instead you are filled with the fear of the Lord and you live your life in line with his reality. And the effect of his presence with you now is a purging away of every iniquity and every brokenness and every failure and every flaw, and you find perfect love casting out fear. Now, my question for you is where do you wanna stand? Do you wanna back away from the presence of God and stand at a distance and let somebody else go in? Do you wanna run away from the mountains and just craft your own God that doesn't make you sad but makes you glad? but ultimately is an idol and does not lead you to life? Or do you want to come right up to that line? And do you wanna just wait for that invitation to come? You see, God all throughout the Bible has been coming in different ways and at different levels. And now he has come to us in his son and now every obstacle is removed. There is no more line. The temple curtain has been torn in two from top to bottom. The, the presence of God is open. In fact, we have been cleansed to become the temple of the living God and he will pour his spirit into you and never leave you or forsake you. He will anoint you if you consecrate yourself to him. He will purify you and you will be the place of his presence and be his treasured possession and part of his kingdom of priests to the rest of the world. But that only comes through faith and through stepping into God's purifying presence. And this is the invitation. This is one little passage that stuck out to me each week. I've been mentioning to you something that popped off the page to me and I think I've seen this before, but never hit me until I saw it in the context of Exodus 19 all the way to 40 and it's Exodus 33 and verse 11. I didn't put it on the screen. It's Exodus 33 and 11. You can read it. I'll paraphrase it for you. But it's in 33, after the people have repented and Moses reestablishes the covenant with them after the golden calf incident, Moses goes out to the tent of meeting with his understudy Joshua 
And it says, and Moses returned to the camp, but Joshua, son of Nun, remained in the tent of meeting. And here is, here is one who doesn't wanna leave the presence of God. Here's one who wants to stay right wherever God is. Now listen, I don't, I don't know where you are on the spectrum, but I do know that the God of Israel, the God of the covenants, the God of creation, the God who made you and owns the world wants you right near to his heart. He wants to bring you all the way in. And so if you've got things that are you, holding you back because of fear, because of what you've done or what stands against you, if you have faith and you come in, you let God purify those things in his presence. You let God purge those things away. Maybe, maybe you've got a trinket God of your own making and you think, oh, that's God. We're gonna call it God and we're gonna treat it like God and we're gonna act like it's God. It's not God. And you know it, somewhere in your heart, you're experiencing the draw of God towards the real God and it may be a little terrifying for you. And if it is, that's okay. Because if you come to him with faith, he makes a way to accept you through the sprinkling of blood. And so here's the invitation. The people responded by honoring God and giving him all of their hearts. And they were stirred every spirit in them and every heart in them. And they did all the things that God had commanded and they created all the pieces of the temple. And the book of Exodus ends this way in Exodus 40, 34 to 38. And I'll wrap up with this. It says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And even Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel had set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night. And the sight, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. Brothers and sisters, we have come to the God who leads us and never leaves us. We have come to the God who wants to make his home on the inside of us, but it requires us being real with God. And that happens in your heart and in your mind and no one else knows the difference. You can fake it all day long, but God knows and you know. And so my plea to you is to evaluate for a split second, do I have faith towards God? Have I looked to his mediator, Jesus, for the forgiveness of my sins? And am I willing to come all the way into his presence and to stay near to the place where he is and to follow him no matter where he asks me to go? And if this is, this is your disposition, then you can expect the God of heaven to make his home on the inside of you. And if you are here and something is missing from your life, and something is not whole, no matter how much success, no matter how much money, no matter how much material happiness, no matter how many things go your way, you cannot find the wholeness that you're looking for, that's because you were made for God. And if you are here and you are keeping a distance from him for any reason, he is calling you to come in and be clean and consecrated. Amen? Amen. I wanna pray for all of us. And that's the word I want us to leave with, is consecrated. Consecrated, we see in this section. And it was consecrated and it was anointed. Consecrated and anointed. And so we consecrate ourselves and then the Lord anoints us. And so. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you if, if you wanna pray, what you do with your hands doesn't matter at all, but I like to hold my hands in front of me, palms up as an expression of me offering myself and all my baggage to the Lord and receiving from him what I cannot gain for myself. And Father, I pray 
in your presence and by your spirit in the name of Jesus for myself and every person in my hearing that we would accept your invitation to come all the way in, trusting in our savior and high priest Jesus who has gone before us, that he is the one who can cleanse us and purify us. And so we consecrate ourselves to you this day to be yours. God, we put away lesser gods of our own making and we receive and accept your revelation of truth. You are who you say you are. God, I pray for any person who is backing away from your presence in fear, that they would come forward fearing not, but having a disposition of reverence towards you. And God, I thank you that you have made a way for us to experience your purifying presence. Now, God, I pray as we have come to you by faith in Jesus, that in your presence this day forward, as you lead us, that we would experience this, the freedom of being purified of our sins and iniquities. God, of being set right in our minds to know and believe you and to follow after you. God, of being unshackled from the lies and the destructive behavior of the enemy to walk in newness of life. And God, I pray today would be the first day of freedom for many people as we seek you daily and exist in your presence and remain near you in your spirit in us. God, I pray that as we abide in Christ, you would flourish and make our lives fruitful. God, you are the source. And so we come to you. And if you resound with that prayer, if that prayer can be your own, and hold out your hands and all God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Listen, our prayer teams are here. If God's doing something in your heart right now, you don't have to be in a hurry. Uh, someone else can get your kids. Um, but I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that whatever God's stirring in you, that he completes. And so I'm gonna stand right here and I'll pray for anybody or any of our prayer teams are here that wanna pray for you as well. Take a minute, it's totally fine. Uh, everybody else is gonna head out. But if you wanna pray, come straight, good job. All right, got the message. God bless you guys, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.